0: can't automate everything. You definitely can't automate what I do. Art, you know, I, I, I start from the moment I meet them with a solid handshake, look them in the eyes, uh, get both of their names, or I like to be clean, smell good. I'm dialing those in completely custom, Tom Lawson style. Nobody's doing it like me. I get to gauge where everything is. I can even ask the client, hey, you like this? You like that?
1: That's Tom Lawson, owner and operator of the recently formed Straight Up Stairs, And if you're joining us for the first time, I'm Mike Kinoki, owner and operator of Straight Ahead Construction in Fairbanks, Alaska. Some of today's take-home messages are going to be on pricing your jobs, pricing your work, expectation management, the importance of sobriety, some of Tom's innovations, and just get to know the man behind Straight Upstairs. If you enjoy the pod, share it straight to your social media stories and tag us. And like Tom says at the end of the interview, write us a review and without further ado, let's roll the tape. Exactly that. I don't remember the last time I charged hourly.
0: Got to be honest. Um, you know, that's, that's just not, it's, it's, it's a recipe for just staying where you are. That's for sure. It's not a recipe for growth. That's when I collect a 40% payment. That They made the change on the fly. Why not pay for it on the fly? Um, it gave me a new sense of who I was. Um, I, I knew I was more of a leader. There was nothing that made me happy anymore. I didn't enjoy coming home. Uh, there was fights all the time with my wife, and there were some things that I couldn't change that were kind of just absolutes for me. They were just make or breaks. I couldn't do it anymore. Like in my mind, I was done. Is I just treated everyone how I wanted to be treated, and uh, I want to make it big. I think we could do that, and and keep my quality, my standard, going you leave putty or you got a bad joint, fix that before the end of the night. If I find the right group of guys, I am confident that within a year, two year and a half, I could train them up to do everything I do. If you're going to do something, do it right.
1: Welcome back to the Contracting Handbook. My guest today is a specialist. He's got a niche market. He's a man of demand. He's right where he's supposed to be. You might know him from his tricked out truck or from his six staircases. His motto is, if you're not going to do it right, don't do it at all. It's Tom Lawson of Straight Upstairs. What's up, Tom? What's going on, man? How are you? Fantastic, to here, Mike. Tom and I kind of met in a discussion about he he was talking about a client didn't like his number for a job and said, "Why is it so much more than the other guy?" And you know, this is something we all encounter.
0: Um, it was actually um, in a response to Brant Tool Hacker. He had he had posted something um, about you know a client. On a balking or surprised at a cost. Um and we just got into it that way. And I, I have a simple response when mm-hmm. you know a client asks me. Um I say, I know I'm not the cheapest. Um I definitely know I'm not the most expensive. But what I can guarantee is that you know your my quality is going to far exceed the cost. And my results are there. The proof's in the put in now uh my portfolio shows and my Yelp reviews and everything show. Um that you know you get what you pay for just like everything in life Uh, I never want to pay for the cheapest thing you know in my hobbies my crafts anything Um, tools I've never bought the cheapest tool I've always bought the most expensive thing that I could afford to get the job done or get my hobby started whatever it is Um, I never start at the lowest so I I like to think of myself at the middle ground Um, and like I said I think my quality far exceeds the cost so I just say that and kind of kind of puts that whole thing to rest and uh
1: go ahead and if you guys want to check out tom's work it's at straight upstairs on instagram to back up what he's saying here because it's true thank you
0: I'm, i'm new to that i'm new to the whole instagram thing mike um you know i've only been in this for about 14 months and uh it's been a crazy ride and and uh yeah, it's cool to have a virtual portfolio out there finally uh, for people to see and and follow along as I as I grow this thing.
1: Yeah, and your work is inspiring, and so is your tricked-out truck. Uh, you're making us all look bad with our beat-up tool trailers and disorganized toolboxes. <laughs> that's that's not, not what I'm set out. out to do here. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, so back to the back to this um, this kind of scenario we we're in. I always tell younger builders when we're talking about charging is as you grow and you, and you get more experience, if something took you two weeks to do 10 years ago, and it takes you two days now, you should be charging the same amount or more, even though you can compress that time because you're charging for experience. You're not thinking about hourly. Exactly that. Exactly that. I, don't remember the last time I charged hourly,
0: gotta be honest. Um, you know, that's, that's just not, it's, it's, it's a recipe for just staying where you are. That's for sure. It's not a recipe for growth. Um, you should be charging the same, if not more, like you said, and it doesn't matter how fast you do it. Um, you know, there's times where I'll charge what I charge and I get it done in just a few days. And, um, there's never any question um, anymore because they see my proficiency. They see the van, they see the tools, they see how efficient I am at it. Um, and when you get to that point, then it's like, this guy's got it so dialed. Yeah, that's what I'm paying for. And if the if the results at the end are what they expected or exceed what they expected, um, which is typically the case, um, there's never a question about it. But it's, it's when you don't. Um, it's when you charge... Those prices, and you're, you're making the job kind of drag on, or you're not efficient, and you're just not proving yourself to the client, and It's when you kind of lose confidence in that.
1: Now, when, when you do have a client that's doubting you, what would be your advice for executing that conversation?
0: You know, I, I, I start... From the moment I meet them with a solid handshake, look them in the eyes, uh, get both of their names or, you know, typically it's a husband and wife in my case, I they both, um, whatever the situation is, um, start with a good presence. I like to be clean, smell good. Um, you know, lately, since I am owner operator, I, I do come grubby. Sometimes I don't like to, but I, I sometimes it's just the case. Um, but I, I go in there. Uh, starting the meeting right and just instilling confidence from the get um then we kind of go into you know what what their expectations are for the project uh what they're looking to do hopefully they got some inspiration this is kind of where i gauge you know gauge what they're looking for if they're serious or not um if they do have inspiration photos uh, i know they're a bit more serious than some if they're looking kind of floating and and not sure what they're looking for, then, then I can you know, I just
1: gauge gauge from the start. And then when do you start charging, charging for that planning? Um,
0: you know, it depends. Uh, th- there's a lot of builds and a lot of cases where I can, I can provide them and steer them right there on the spot um, into a direction that they're comfortable going and I can tell by the reaction they're like wow yeah, I love that and um, then we kind of go from there. so I mitigate that I try to mitigate that from the start during that that first meeting um, you know show them my whole portfolio and, and I'm guaranteed to find something someone's gonna like and then we go from there. Uh, it doesn't take me a ton of time to put a put my numbers through my spreadsheets and put a proposal together so I don't charge, uh, you know, typically to get a proposal out to them, get to get numbers to them. It's when they ask for some CAD drawings and things like that. Obviously I've got to charge for my time, um, but I can usually work around that unless it's a really crazy build.
1: So what's your payment structure then once you get going? Cause you're, I mean, these are sophisticated, nice, amazing uh, staircases you're doing. They're, they're super high end. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't need to take a deposit anymore, um, and I know some people don't like to
0: and take pride in the fact that they don't. Uh, I like to take 10% just so the client has some skin in the game. You know, they're less li- likely to cancel on you. Because at the point of them signing, I'm putting money out there on materials, uh, you know, so I just want to make sure they're they're invested just like I am. So I collect a 10% deposit. Um, I get all the materials ready in my shop to the best of my ability. You know, we're working with all raw materials, putting together posts, putting together treads. Everything you see is from raw lumber picked up at my lumber yard. Um, you know, there's a few trims and a few moldings, obviously, I get from the trim, trim store. Um, but even down to the moldings I put on my traditional posts, I don't buy anything stocked because I just, I don't like the look of it. Um, the, the, the look of where the placement of the trims are. Um, how far they jut out, you know, the size of them, all of those little particulars I don't dig. So I custom do those um, each post, you know, some of those posts involve five, six different trims, all of all four sides of the post, base wraps, whatever it is. Um, I'm dialing those in completely custom Tom Lawson style. Nobody's doing it like me. I get to gauge where everything is. I can even ask the client, Hey, you like this? You like that? the other, um, and they're completely involved the whole time, which I think is a cool aspect. Um, but we are veering now and uh, that gets me to, you know, once everything's together, all the products are together and we're, we're showing up on site, that's when I collect a 40% payment. So then our first day, I like to collect it. You know, I'll send the invoice in the morning. I'll collect it at the end of the day or even the following, but nowhere past that. Um, but I'll be paid up 50% by then. Then all my materials are paid for. And some of the labor, a good portion of the labor is even covered. So um, the balls in both of our courts, I'm comfortable. I'm not out a ton of money. And then we get the ball rolling. You know, we're not in
1: there worried about anything. And then what happens when they change their mind? After the project, change their mind.
0: Ooh, you mean like a change order, like a change order? Um, I'm pretty strict on my change orders. Um, I think you've heard me talk about it before. On uh, my Instagram stories, I, I collect change orders right there on the spot. So when it's discussed that night, I'll send them over a contract, amended contract with that new price. Um, you know, depending on the client, I'll gauge it. If I want them to sign it, I'll have them sign it. If not, um, I'll either collect it right there. And then if the next payment's pretty far away, or if I can hold out or I'm comfortable, you know, I gauge every job differently. Um, my comfort level with each client changes. So uh, as I go through, uh, if I'm comfortable, I'll wait until the next in, invoice comes and I'll tack that whole change order in full right there. It's paid for out of the way. Done deal. Materials are already bought. Obviously, I'm getting into finishing it and you know doing my business. That's It's already said and done. I just keep things fluid and I'm up front. It's on my proposal. All change orders are paid in full at the time of change that's good advice for everyone out there because
1: yeah,
0: it really is. I hear people, you know, that'll wait till the end or kind of break it up into payments. Like, no, um, there's no reason for that. They made the change on the fly. Why not pay for it on the fly? Um, I've never had pushback. Really. I do deal with clients. You know, it is a niche market that I do here um, and nobody needs a new facelift on their staircase. Really. You know, they've got a functioning handrail most of the time. Um, and it's there and working. They just want it to look a little prettier. So it is definitely an extra. Um, so my clients typically can, they just don't balk at, um, you know, paying in full. And, you know, that, that kind of leads me to like instilling the confidence and just being confident in yourself when you're assertive and you just stand up for yourself. You look them in the eye. This is just how it is. You make it sound like this, this is just the way it goes. This is industry standard. This is the way I do things. This is the way we do things. Um, you talk to people like that all the time in absolutes, um, you see results and they, they, they are, they trust in you. They, they feel comfortable with you, confident in you. Um, so it's just never an issue for me.
1: I agree with that a hundred percent. And when I was younger, it took me, it took me a while to figure out that I just needed to sound like the boss. You know, I needed to sound like I knew what I was talking about instead of softening the blow for everybody. Because they lose confidence. You start backpedaling, you start, you know, bringing your price down and and they lose confidence very quickly, very
0: fast. You know, they, they can sense fear. They're like, like dogs, like horses. They'll, they'll find your weakness and they'll push it. And then you start backpedaling or changing, or you do the hums and ahs and, you know, you sound unsure of yourself. That's when you start degrading your value right there at the start, really. So mm-hmm. stay strong. It's not uh, it's not really something you can learn or be taught. It's just time in, you know, getting comfortable with new faces, um, not being intimidated by big burly men up in your face. You know, depending on the homeowners, whatever. Just like you deal with all different characters and all different walks of life. So some people may be intimidating. Some people are pushover. Some you know, you you act the same. You act like a stand up dude that knows, it's, knows his stuff um, or her stuff. Um, and that's that, you know, it just sounds yeah, certain.
1: Be genuine, be who you are, because that's what you are. Yeah. And yeah, that goes a long way.
0: That's, that's my trade secret, bro. <laughs> be myself. <laughs> my personality sells it every single time.
1: Now, is the work you're doing almost it's, it's, you're not really working for GCs at all. You're where you, you're, a. You're um, a, actually I do. Um, yeah,
0: I'd say it's getting more and more with the Instagram. I'd say 30% of my business right now is GCs. So they'll call me. Um, I don't typically work through the GC. They'll just hook it up. They'll say, Hey, I yeah. you know they're working on this home. I know this guy. And then they put me in contact with the homeowner direct. So I guess you could, you could not say it's not, it's not a GC. Most, most of the time, when you say that you're paying, you're getting paid from the GC, you're giving them a, they're making a cut on it. I don't do much of that. No, I don't do much of that. More, mm-hmm. more homie hookups.
1: <laughs> I have uh yeah, I have a few specialty trades that it's pretty much just to can make a connection. Like, yeah, please, please come and do this on the project. It's, it's you that we want mm-hmm. and that's where you're at. Yep. And I like that. Now, before you started straight upstairs, you were in another situation. You were working for someone else.
0: Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: And I certainly was. And <laughs> you, you, you took a leap to start your own biz. But what were you doing before that? It was
0: the third stair company um, of my journey. And I got a call. I was just doing work and kind of posting it on Facebook at the time, very light on the social media, just kind of posting my stuff. Uh, saying, hey, I'm a you know guy in town, and it was just word of mouth. Got a call from the owner of of a company here in my area, and he said, hey, I see a bunch of stares on your Facebook profile. You know, would you like to come in for an interview? We'd love to love to see what you could do and you're all about, and uh, if you'd be a good fit for our company. So I went in for that interview. Uh, sparks flew from the get go. I really liked the guys that were involved. There was only three of them at the time. There was the owner, uh, one guy like a head installer, and then a guy that kind of ran stuff in the shop ran all the kind of day to day organization, computer stuff, stuff like that. And, uh, just dug the guys hung out there during the interview for two or three hours. We really got along with them and, uh, I left as, you know, I went in there for an installation position, just doing my craft. I just wanted to go out there and to keep doing what I was doing, put my bags on every day. And I got a call that night and said, the guy said, Hey, would you like to maybe think about a sales position? What do you think about that? seems like, you know, you're running your own thing. Now you're selling your own projects on small scale, obviously. Um, would you give it a shot? It'd be sales and project management. And uh, at the time, my wife was pregnant, so it was a huge leap and uh, definitely kind of a worry. And it was a a conversation for a few nights. Uh, But in the end, I said, you know, well, if it doesn't work out, I just go and install like I originally was going to do. But I guarantee I can do this. And, uh, you know, I was given the offer. I gave it a shot and the rest was history. I was off and running. I was selling like a madman. I was great at project management. Got along with all the guys. We grew from a, a four-man operation slowly into an eight-man operation. Slowly after that, by the eight, eight, eighth year, we were 13 guys uh, deep, plus a few finishers, so really like 15, 16 guys. And uh, we had quadrupled, or 5 x our yeah. our profits from when I started. Uh, we were becoming, you know, really well known in town, scaling up, doing home shows, getting proper vehicles with wraps and doing it right, getting a storefront shop. And uh, I was slowly growing in the company to where I was, I was, you know, second in charge. I was running this thing uh, like it was my own. I, I considered it my own company. Uh, I'd never said that it was never acted like I was the owner, but I considered it um, like it was, you know, I, I, this, this was the path. That I had chose. It was a stair company where I lived, and I wanted to make this my career. And uh, some things happened towards the end of the years there, where I just changed as much as I could, and I was butting heads with the with the owner, and I I took off kind of in in Rachel's fashion, you know, the Jerry Maguire fashion, just uh, more of a more of a half baked fashion if you've seen that movie it was more of a f you f you i'm out and you know i really don't believe in that i've never burnt bridges i've always said don't burn bridges uh but i think it was just being so close with the owner you know being a part of things so close with the company it was so close to my heart near and dear to my heart um that it kind of got to a point like boiled to a point where i just popped and I shouldn't have. I really regretted it for months and months after.
1: Um, and that's when I decided to go and do my own thing. It was time. What would you say to someone who's in a has a great job, they're in a good position, they got good money, but they want to jump ship. How do they do that? As long as you've made that
0: right decision and you've made the 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 clear choice of of, of where you want to go in life. Um, And that company has given you a direction and you've gotten the most out of that company. Um, You know, I I think it's imperative that you know yourself, know your growth, know your goals, really know your goals. And um, when it's time to move, it's time to move. I like to kind of think of a company, each company that I've been with like a like a piece of fruit, you know i I want to get the most out of the piece of fruit
1: now, I'm a business owner and I've had help and for instance, my foreman and like a post I had on Instagram pretty recently i wouldn't my company would not be what it is without him. and the fear for guys like me is when my good help is going to go, but you're on the other end of that where you were the right-hand man of the company. How do you jump ship? It's a difficult decision for sure, but you know, you need to go. How does that work?
0: Well, the jumping the ship of the being the right-hand man of a company, um, that was a different jump ship. If we could talk about the beginning of the companies, or you know, the, the start of my path, so leaving the first company that taught me stairs, um, that was in Utah, Titan Stairs, Utah. That's where I learned the trade. Uh, I considered myself a good finish carpenter. <laughs> Quickly proved otherwise. I was with a guy teaching me for about a year and a half, and then they finally let me out on my own. Uh, I was getting really comfortable doing my own thing. I got a great set of tools, which they helped me with from the start, and I kind of paid off over time. After I had got the most out of that company, um, I felt like there wasn't much room for growth, but I felt like I had, you know, I wanted to leave back to California sooner, but I I felt like I was in a good place. I was still learning the most I could out of every day, Um, you know, still writing in my notebook, still having a lot of help from the leaders over there. That's when I knew it was time to leave. Uh, I, I squeezed the uh, the juice from all of that fruit, going to another company with all of that knowledge that I had just gained, and uh, it it gave me a new sense of who I was. Um, I, I knew I was more of a leader um, at that point. And that's that's kind of where I I set the path of leadership in my mind. And um, I became a sponge.
1: What's your advice to someone who's in that position though? You, the last job you left was really good. It paid well, but you you were like, you know what? With that one, um, it was really stress. Um, I w- it was
0: consuming me. I didn't have, there was nothing that made me happy anymore. I didn't enjoy coming home. Uh, there was fights all the time with my wife. Uh, I, that one was totally different. I was working way too hard. Um, I needed help in my position. I needed more project management, more organization at the company. That one, I jumped ship just for mental health reasons. And I felt I had done as much as I could with the company. And there were some things that I couldn't change that were kind of just absolutes for me. They were just make or breaks. I couldn't do it anymore. Like in my mind, I was done.
1: What would you recommend to a business owner such as myself to retain their good talent?
0: The way I retained all my guys at that company and and the company before, but it was mainly the, the, the long-span company, is I just treated everyone how I wanted to be treated. You know, it's that age-old saying, I've been taught that since I was how old? you know treat others how you want to be treated and i did that i treated them with humility treated them like they were brothers of mine um didn't have any sisters in any other companies but i would have and um yeah just with kindness man i i was i was a boss when i needed to be i was diligent and i was a hard ass sometimes you know i would come down on people when needed um but I'd always come back around, always give them, you know, a big hug. I'm a hugger. So just, you know, let them know they're appreciated always. And that's not always in, in doesn't always mean compensation. It doesn't. Um, It just means that they know you're, you're there for them outside of work. You know, you care. I, I would ask, on Mondays, how their weekends were, how's the family, how are the kids, what are the kids up to, you know, it was just more than work. And I got the most out of my guys that way. Being sincere. Being sincere, man. And they just, they loved working for me. So now um, I can get any of those guys that used to work for that other company. If I want, I can, I could get them um, just because they want to work for me. They, they love me.
1: Hey, Tom, you know, in a previous conversation we had, we were talking about how we got in the trades and we both got in the trades at a young age. Um, How did you stumble into it?
0: More out of necessity than anything else. Um, I dropped out of high school pretty early in life. Uh, I think I I showed up to most of junior year and then left after that. And uh, I actually got into drugs a little bit and went to rehab turned 18 in rehab and got out and started working. And it's pretty much all I knew, how to work with my hands, do woodworking. And I was pretty well versed at everything. Um, my mom was married to a, a salesman that traveled for about eight months out of the year, at least eight or nine months out of the year. So he was always gone. So his mom, my mom and I on five acres with horses and bare land uh, that we were trying to irrigate and everything else and uh you know i learned that way at a young age how to how to take care of shit because out in temecula there weren't very many contractors handymen people to come by and give you a hand and you know it was this one horse town kind of and it's since become massive which is cool and not cool but um yeah i learned i learned pretty quickly uh you know i think at the age of seven i got my first dirt bike at seven and When that carburetor got gunked up, you know, there was, there was nobody to show me how to do it. I I figured it out, just trial and error, taking things apart and, uh, figuring it out for myself. Sometimes having my mom help me sometimes doing it myself when my stepdad would come around. Um, he did have a nice set of tools always. So that was cool, you know, but, uh, I, I didn't really have him to teach me all the time when, when he did come i i would have them show me how to use certain things but it was kind of like here here's a blast lesson before i leave again um and how, then how, here good luck good luck hope you keep your
1: fingers how would that first carburetor go
0: um i think i lost uh the needle and mm. I, I don't i don't remember how it went I, I remember the bike didn't start after and i remember having I think my stepdad had just left. My mom didn't know anything about it. It was like my new birthday gift. Here's a dirt bike. used dirt bike. I never had new ones. And uh, yeah, it was, I think the neighbor came and helped me and we got it together. And, you know, he showed me what I did wrong. I was almost there. And, you know, that was it. Like, I think that was seven or eight years old. Uh, I, I knew I just had to dive into stuff, you know, because if I wanted it done, which I, when I was a kid I wanted it done I was a, I, I, I wanted to have fun and I saw all the potential in the things around me that I could have fun with and but there's no one to teach me so it was just like pick it up and go uh, my parents were pretty pretty cool to let me just do what I wanted as a kid you know
1: well you were definitely self-motivated too that's a that's I, I would it's a pretty unusual thing uh, to be that well, driven seven year old who, who, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, we
0: seriously didn't have neighbors. You know, we they, they, I lived on five acres. Everyone around us lived on 10, 20, same thing, five acres. Mm-hmm. Maybe one neighbor kid my age that had strict parents, he was never allowed to play. So, and it was always a stretch to have kids at school, like their parents want to come out to wine country and drop their kids off. Um, so it was like, figure out fun on my own, or when my best friend from San Clemente would come, which is an hour away, he would come in maybe, maybe once a week or once a month for a weekend, uh, then we'd really get into it. But uh, it was figure it out for, your, for yourself. I wasn't allowed to come in until, the, you know, the sun went down. Uh, I had one of those families. So it was either sit around and kick dirt around or,
1: or work around the house, you know, or figure out some fun. You've got this stellar business model. You're you're cruising. You're a man in demand. Where do you go from here? You're going to scale up. I plan to, Mike. Um, I built a shop on the side of my house, so
0: we're growing out of that for sure. And uh, I plan on moving to a shop here within the year, uh, a proper shop with kind of a small showroom. After that, I don't know. The sky's the limit. I really. I really find that there's no stair builders in my area. This is the case everywhere you go. You open a phone book or you go on Google. Sorry, phone books aren't around anymore. But you'll find two or three stair builders in your area. It's like that everywhere. So what I want to do is hopefully expand from my my shop that we're moving to this year and uh, expand to San Diego, which is about an hour from me eventually expand to north orange county which is another hour for me kind of the opposite direction so i can serve a lot of southern california that way out of these three hubs and once we once we get comfortable and get our footing and and really get known i hope to just cover all of california uh just branching out uh, finding the right partners to scale this thing up and maybe franchise it license the name out and uh I just cruise around and, and do quality control. There's a need and a demand for a, a proper stair builder. And uh, I want to make it big. I think we could do that and, and keep my quality, my standard going. And with my models that I've put in place and through trial and error and learning from all the other companies' mistakes, I've, I've, I've made this thing pretty fluid. I'm really well versed at Everything I do as far as the staircase, I will. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: So you have a teachable setup, basically, that you can, you could hand to a foreman and a crew and show them a few things and be like, this is what you guys do. Absolutely. If I'll I be- found
0: the right team, for sure. If I find the right group of guys, I am confident that within a year to a year and a half, I could train them up to do everything I do. Finding those groups and, uh, you know, multiplying myself is, is the goal. I think it's everyone's goal, obviously, whether it be small scale, large scale, you've always always got to duplicate yourself. That's what we're always trying to do. And it's hard to find those right candidates, the the ones that are willing, the ones that are willing to bleed,
1: suffer. <laughs> I never really found a candidate. Maybe I didn't look that hard. It was just kind of a thought, but but I don't know if I could have let go of the reins enough because there's that trust. There is issue. that there man. is that man but you That's have the experience spark. yeah but you have the experience of someone else trusting you you kind of know what it looks like from both sides already which exactly so exactly a,
0: and they do have an end game man i i don't want to be doing this my whole life i want to be in the stair game for my whole life so i will have straight upstairs till i die but i also have other other things I want to do in life, you know, I've got another company that just started organically straight up innovations. Um, I've got a few other goals that in my sobriety, I found I want to achieve before I die. And uh, yeah, things things are changing. So you got to let those reins loose. And you've got to uh, give up a bit of control to give yourself the time to do other things. And I I do I, I don't
1: live to work. I, uh, I work so I can live and enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. And, and tell me a little bit about Straight Up Innovations. What are you up to with that? What are you making?
0: I went full bore for a few months on it because I was all hot and bothered with it. And um, I got a prototype pack and kind of went by the wayside. So it's a company that started, I, I built a cart for a packout system. Mm-hmm. It's just an upgraded plate with bigger wheels um, that hooks on the bottom, just like the dolly that Milwaukee provides, but it's just a little beefier. You can put bigger wheels on it. And people loved it. People were like, oh, my gosh, where can I get one of these? I just said, you know, I just made it in my garage. And I got so many messages saying, hey, if you ever decided to make these, I buy one. Uh, Then I was, a guy reached out to me, Andy Glass at STV Racking uh, through Instagram. You know, we just hooked up that way. I've made so many cool connections on here. Uh, mm-hmm. you you're one of my favorites you and brandt i'll tell you i love you guys and dan milwaukee tool addict love you and um yeah man this guy reached out and said hey i do this drop ship thing with a lot of companies I, I i have a cnc machine i have all the means to make this product for you i can even laser and engrave your name on it all of this i'm like man that sounds like a great option and we were talking percentages and it seemed reasonable it seemed fair and if i wanted something to grow i've, I've realized man You can't have full control of everything if you want things to grow or, you know, if you want things to blossom, kind of taking the reins away. You know, I I knew that if I wanted to just make a bunch of these in my garage, there's a cap on how many of those I can make in my garage and do my business. So I figured partner up with that guy and we did. We made a website. We're still working on a a version two. Uh, I found some issues with it. We want to make the platform a little bigger. Um, but right now it's just a cart and I hope soon down the road, it's got a few other innovations that I have in mind. I've made like a little Milwaukee M12 tester. Uh, I've seen some interest in, you know, they don't offer that. So I've kind of made something to test the M12 batteries and it shows the percentage. Uh, I know you can throw it in all the tools and it shows you, you know, a one through four light, but this shows you an on the fly without putting Mm. it in the tool, um, Level of your battery. And, you know, I found a lot of people that want that. So that'll be on the website and whatever I can come up with next, you know.
1: A line of cologne. I mean, you got the perfect name. For yeah, it. a
0: line of cologne. To
1: just Tom, whatever, Tom, man. Tom Lawson,
0: job site. Dude, after Instagram, people just <laughs> want to buy my t shirts. It's ridiculous. They're like, I want a straight upstairs shirt because it says till the screws fall off on the back. Like, yeah. Come on. It's fun. I want one. I'm getting you one, Mike. You got one. All coming. right. Sweet. <laughs> that's the thing. I want to come up with a product and I will in my lifetime. I've got quite a few tricks up my sleeve. I'm just scared with patenting and time and money and all the rest, but um, I've got some things that'll make me money in my sleep
1: and uh, I hope to get them out there one day. Now you mentioned since sobriety that you've, you know, come up with some new goals, you know, tell us like, what are two things that in the clouds of before it you kind of popped up? Yeah after you know before the
0: business i was not an instagram guy or social media guy and then i dive in i'm like i discover all these cool people doing all these cool things um and i see a lot of people doing um like contracted where you go into where you go in and and find all the inefficiencies and go out on the job sites go in their offices Uh, go in their showrooms, find out what they could do a little bit better. So basically doing what I was saying earlier about um, duplicating my business, do it for other stair builders. Um, I have a lot of tricks, a lot of jigs that don't take much time at all to build Hmm. um, that save so much time and so much just lost effort. Like why are you spending all this time doing this when you can make a jig for it? You, You make a good jig. It'll last you years. And it shaves an hour off of each project. Who's not going to want to do that? You know, like all yeah. these little tricks. Um, my, my my trade is so specialty that I found all these different methods and ways to streamline things, especially in the way I renovate. So 95% of my staircases are not new builds. They're tear outs and rebuild. Um, so I found all the tricks. And, you know, you every single job is different. You know, you fall into treads that have zero framing underneath or stringers completely out of whack as far as the angle goes um you know the two inches out of whack from in a 14 foot span and you know i've found all these ways and methods uh, to kind of adapt and overcome if you will that i want to i want to teach that and I, I feel it would be profitable and i get a lot out of teaching i do a lot of how to's and stuff on my instagram and I, i'm getting a, that's what i'm finding in my sobriety i'm, I'm enjoying showing others how to prosper. And, That's really cool. Tomorrow, can you zoom in on this so you can show us this portion? And I do that for my followers. Um or I've even jumped on you know one-on-one chats and they are on site and they show me this issue they're dealing with and I'll kind of walk them through it. And I absolutely love that. So some sort of consulting and uh yeah
1: there's there's no co- I like it and like you that. uh you need you know, they, they say, if you're going to make it more than once, make a jig. And, yeah, exactly. um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Robin Clevett, who was on the show, he was on the pod, like in December last year, he's a, he's a carpenter joiner in, in the UK and he's got a YouTube channel and a zillion jigs and different tools to make life easier. And I yeah. think you'd, I think you'd, uh, you dig his, what he's what he's up to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just the simplest things like creating a, just something with a little hole pattern in it that,
1: that that is repeated all the time.
0: Right. Throw it in your bags. It's always there. You pull it out. Boom. Bob's your uncle yeah. jobs that much quicker. 100%. Some things you can't teach some things you can. I hope I could teach this cleanliness, man. I don't mm-hmm. know how many times I go onto a job site and it's just a mess. And even when it's a, a contractor or, um, you know, I I did say I do tear outs and I don't do a lot of um, work with contractors. But when I do or when I'm working on a renovated home that's got other trades involved, the messes people leave is just astonishing. So I've really, really made a point from the start of this business to make cleanliness an absolute number one, just like top priority of ours. From the minute we walk in, we move their welcome mat so we're not trudging on it. We throw a drop cloth down, you know, pretty much the moment we walk in the door. Um, I've just got some rubber mats that I throw all around the staircase, uh, zip walls, everything you can do, even if it's overboard, even if you don't think you need it, just do it because it looks good. There's a presence when you do it. Um, and I think that's that's been a really great key of mine for word of mouth. You know, these guys come in proficient, clean, and they get the
1: shit done. Yeah, and you you're coming back to that instilling confidence because you've met the people, they've made their down payment, they've made their second payment. Now you show up and you start rolling out the the drop clocks and they're like, they're like, oh cool, they're actually yeah. gonna take care of my house yeah. while I live in it. Yeah, he put his money where his mouth is. Yeah, yeah, that makes. Fun, I agree with that. I it took me a minute to figure that out when I was starting out too.
0: But yeah, yeah, I've seen so many guys the drop walk in. They just walk in and start hacking stuff up and like, whoa, you know, a lot of times, a lot of my jobs, and this is why there's not many of us, because nobody likes to do this is, um, you know, I'm I'm working in homes where people are still living and they got to go up and down the stairs because the master bedroom's upstairs most of the time. So we've got to have a good bedside manner all the time. They got kids going in and out, you know, it's, it's really like. You become part of the family for the week or two that we're there. Some projects even longer. Um, So cleanliness, you know, you've got to show up the next day after they're, they're looking at your mess after you leave every night, you want it to look proper. Um, I'm very adamant, you know, about if you leave putty or you got a bad joint, fix that before the end of the night. Um, Because at night they're inspecting your work. If you think they're not get out of town, no you know, doubt don't don't leave big gaps here and there for them to hyper focus on and they're not going to mention until the very end of the process um and if you don't fix it you're screwed so kind of back your play each night you know keep the house crisp clean dust off the coffee
1: tables here and there
0: just whatever you know and always assume you're on camera these
1: days it's <laughs> a good idea cameras. i i filmed my Safe crew bed. so much with with uh with with uh time lapses and they wouldn't always know yeah and and my foreman hated it you know he's way more old school and uh yeah he's 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 a bit older than me and uh and i had this new guy and, and my foreman discovered the camera and he was like oh. and my yeah the new guy was like man you should just assume you're on camera all the time these days
0: yeah like yeah. security cameras I, that, and all, that's yeah. what i that's what i tell my guys yeah i'm gonna take it a step further with uh one of my ideas and uh, i'll let you know about that when we get off camera and off uh, video or a uh, voice recording okay. here Ooh. Um, but it does involve cameras insider knowledge it it, it, uh, it involves cameras on us all the time um, and maybe those clients that we work with can access those cameras whenever they want um, and just instilling even more confidence saying hey this is something we provide i'll tell you some more of those details i know that's very vague but it has to be because i think this is a viable thing here um if you're willing to be recorded all the time uh who's not going to pay for that
1: hey time i want to go back to sobriety here for a minute because we've talked off recording about it but maybe people out there don't realize that it's only been i don't know what you said 18 months and you've grown some wings so Why don't you tell us a little bit about what that looked like right then? You know, 20 years of being an alcoholic from the age of
0: 20 to 35. So 15 years, excuse me. And things needed to change, you know. Yeah, the phone calls started, man. And I told my wife, I've got to get this, my life in order. Um, I was still drinking at the time. And I would mean I was drinking at the time. I was almost unable to function throughout the day without a little shot to get, get me going and stop the shakes. If I was going to do this, all these calls were coming um, and I was getting overwhelmed because I was drinking. And when you're a drinker, your only concern is when you're going to have that next drink. And I had to provide for my family, which I always did, but I was always thinking about that next drink. And there's no way I was going to run a company thinking about that. So I had to make a major life choice. And I did that on November November 20th, uh, the day before my birthday, November 20th of 2020. I uh, sat in my truck for a few hours outside of my Alano club, an AA meeting uh, room, meeting hall in my town. And I kind of surrendered and told myself, if you want to get your life together and stop wishing and saying, oh, yeah, I'll do that. One day. You know, it was always the one day. And I wanted to stop the one day. I wanted to start living in the now. And I surrendered and accepted the fact that I was an alcoholic and I couldn't do it alone and I needed help. So I walked into that club and I I hit a meeting for 30 days every single day. Got a sponsor. I think in I I think I hit the 90 at 90, hit 90 meetings in, in 90 days. And it changed my life. I'm 19 months sober now. And the rest is history, I guess. You know, I I was getting so much work that I had to call on some help pretty immediately. I called Curtis. He was a guy that worked at the old company, but, you know, kind of took it from both ends all the time for too long and left on his own accord, I think, a year before I did. And I called him up and I said, hey, man, I got so much work. I need some help. And uh, he came out
1: been with me ever since. He's my right hand man. Why do skilled trades matter? Well, I mean, you've heard it a million times. Who's going to build our future? I mean, seriously, you know, we've
0: got constant advances in, in the world and all these innovations constantly. You know, something will come out and someone's already working on the next best thing. So we're, we come up with all those things. Where are you going to put them all? You know, who's going to run them all? You know, you can't automate everything. You definitely can't automate what I do, art. You can't automate furniture building. There's there's so many different trades that you just can't have a computer do. You can't make a robot do, especially in our lifetime or our kid's lifetime. To get into the trades is is a great option for someone that knows they can't do college. I
1: knew I couldn't sit and learn out of a book. The thing that I'm really, really starting to be able to put into words now is that, you know, they say college isn't for everybody and it's definitely not. But like, if, if there's someone out there who struggles to get grades, it's not because you're stupid. It's just because you think differently. And and if, if that's the case, it's probably better to get your hands into something. And And you know know how bad at math I used to be? (laughs) I mean, I worked my, I worked so hard for grades. And, and I didn't get what it was like, I'm putting in a lot of effort for, for not the best grades here. And it took me a while to yeah, realize that, told me that it mm-hmm. took me a while to realize that I shouldn't be pursuing the path I was on that. I was, I was put on a path though. We're all put on a path when we're kids somehow, Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you, you live in a box with four people, five people for a little while, and you're going to come out of it with some weird ideas, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> I love it. A little while. <laughs> just a few years. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what do you value most? Family. My kids.
0: Come to find. I didn't even plan on having kids, to be honest. And then I met my, my wife and the rest is history. Uh, my family matters more than anything to me. Uh, this is what I'm doing all this for. Um, my main goal is just so they work hard so they can have a a better life than I did. Who's your mentor? My mentor. So I, my dad was in England. Um, I didn't really have a dad, I had a stepdad that wasn't around. Um, my best friend, since I came out here to the States at seven, six, his dad is my mentor. He had many, many businesses, um, still has multiple businesses, all successful. And I've never seen anyone work harder um, in their lives. So I go to him with any questions, big business things. Mm. He's been there, done that. He's my dude. He loves me like I'm his son. You know, I've been in his life since I was six years old. Okay,
1: we're going to get in the speed round. Speed round. Yeah. What's the best, your best joke?
0: Oh my God. I'm terrible at jokes. And you can't say this one without... Doing this guy's voice, Mitch Hedberg, Uh, he said it best. An escalator can never break. It can only become stairs. You should never see a temporarily out of order sign. Just a sign saying, escalator, temporarily stairs. Sorry for the inconvenience. (laughs) 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 You can't do Mitch Hedberg without, you know. He's he's a one of a kind man, but uh, I figured it was topical. Tom, what's your message to the world? My message to the world would be something I tell myself every day, numerous times a day. If you're going to do something, do it right.
1: Uh, I'm going to guess your favorite tool. Yes. It's got to be that drill press. I didn't even consider that. I mean, I
0: don't think I've used it enough to be my favorite. Okay. I know it's pretty, pretty new in my life. I have a chop saw that I've had for since the start of my stair days so when Mm -hmm. i was 20 years old i got this thing um hitachi 10 inch c10 fsh sliding miter saw every good old carpenter knows it japanese made you can't find them anymore they're like gold um but Mm -hmm. it is it's been through so much it's been dropped and rebuilt and it has never been adjusted
1: and it cuts so square incredible what's the most useful tool Oh this this
0: has two most useful to me, my day to day, what I would use the most aside from a tape measure would be a square. And square specific, I like a good star at uh combination square. So it doesn't have the angle on it. It's just uh you know, just a square on both ends. Mm -hmm. My favorite. Oh what second part? Second part, Mike.
1: You got it, you wait. I do, Uh, yeah. You got
0: a part two. I do, I do. Right. I couldn't pick a favorite. My favorite, aside from that, would be a router. Mm. Yep, just so many uses for a router. I use it every single day. I have three palm routers that I use every
1: single day, so I don't have to swap out the bits. Mm-hmm. Yep. Something very satisfying about routing, too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the way the the it's dust sexy. comes off. It's, it it is Let's just say it. it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's the, where have you been on my life tool?
0: Um, it's not really a tool um, and shout out to Grime Boss. Where have you been on my life? Grime Boss is a wipe that you'd find in like where all the adhesive removers are and lack of thinners and stuff. Hmm. They are wipes that, that clean up PL. If you've ever used PL three times, it is the nastiest glue you can use. Nothing gets it up except like a lacquer thinner or something. But these wipes, you grab them. They're kind of abrasive, but they don't scratch even finished woods. And they'll cut grime grease. I just love it. So where have you been all my life? I've used them for about three or four years now. But man, I
1: could have used those when I was uh, learning and getting glue everywhere. What is the best job site snack? Gosh, tacos.
0: Tacos for sure. Carne asada. Um, onion and cilantro and make or break for me as salsa. Like I'll, I'll base a Mexican food place being out here, you know, SoCal, I base my Mexican food off their salsas. It's gotta be hot. Yeah. It's gotta have the flavor and they gotta have a couple different options.
1: Tacos is probably the number one answer, but I have a lot of people from Cali on the show. Best job site gems.
0: Oh, that's so hard being a musician, you know, Um, it's all over the board. If I were to say, most listened to music would be Pink Floyd type stuff. Pink Floyd, Tool. Tool is my favorite band of all time. I like the new age Pink Floyd. But yeah, oldie Super Tramp, Steely Dan. I, I do like some good soul as well. You know, Curtis Mayfield, Bill Weathers, stuff like that. But I'm across the board, man. If Curtis wasn't around, I'd listen to more heavy stuff. And if I wasn't around families and stuff. Um, but yeah, dude,
1: music. <laughs> In my podcast, I've been asking people what they would ask my next guest. And my previous guest asked me to ask you, do you tune your your saws up
0: regularly? Mm. No, but I can expand on that. That's a good one.
1: Let's do that. Expand on it.
0: You know, I do. I try to use good saws, so I don't tune them up. But what I do do is I clean them very well. Uh, I feel like a good good tool does you you know a good service it needs to be kept clean that's why you do see a lot of my tools I pull up pull out and I get comments all the time is that brand new no it's not and my saw using a lot of hardwoods does get a lot of buildup of gunk on it sometimes we're recutting stuff that you know, does have glue on it so it gets gunked up I clean it um, and I do swap out blades often but uh, no a good saw doesn't need a ton of adjustment and what question would you ask my next guest
1: if you could do any hobby or do anything in life, what would it be? All right. Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to today?
0: I do want to just give a shout out to all my uh, my Instagram followers. You know who you are, all the ones that give me love. Brant, tool hacker. He constantly gives me love. I absolutely love that guy. He has the biggest heart of anyone I know. Um, just all my Instagram fam and my wife. Thank you, Milwaukee mama.
1: Thank you. Dude. I, they Thanks yeah, for man. having me, man. Yeah. It's, it's, I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know you here a bit over the last few weeks and, and enjoying your, your Insta when I, when I have time to sit down on Instagram and look at the 3000 people I try to follow.
0: Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah. Follow it
0: and see what's to come on the van, man. It's a, it's a work and play thing. So it's going to have a sink, a cooktop, a toilet, Mm. Um, but i won't have to take any tools out to do my fun things you know i'll be able to camp in that thing without pulling a tool out so that's the goal that's the dream Uh, so following that's what
1: happened that's super cool i thought it was i thought i was cool when i put a microwave in my trailer
0: Uh, (laughs) it'll definitely have a microwave
1: (laughs) (laughs) um well everybody out there you guys should check out tom's work at straight upstairs on instagram And, hey, Tom, do you think they should give us a review today? Write a review? I
0: think they should. I think they should. And if you do, Mike's going to give you something for it. A shout out, some love.
1: He's going to appreciate it. I know that. I will. You'll get a shout out to you and tell me where you're shouting out from. And I'll shout out your town. Heck yeah, man. Right on, brother. Well, let's uh, let's do this again soon. Much love to
0: you. Thanks for reaching out. It's an honor. Hey,
1: everybody. Today's shout-out goes to Brian the Trim Dude. I don't know where you are. I don't know who you are, but thank you for that sick review on Apple Podcasts. Hey, if you found value in the content of the show or some sense of affirmation for what you're doing, please consider writing review on iTunes, rating me on Spotify, or sharing the pod directly to social media from your phone. And remember, the work we do each day, the stuff we make and leave behind, it's our legacy. So create a legacy that matters. All right. That's all I got. Later.